Hey friends, welcome to Conversations with Kenzie, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Kenzie Brenna. No topic goes unturned here. We talk about everything with everyone. We like to get raw and sometimes we get heavy and sometimes we swear. So I'm warning you now. Also, we are working remotely. So audio quality between host and guest may differ. Lastly, check out our show notes for giveaways, fun promotions, or discounts to our favorite stuff. Enjoy the show. Okay. Hello, Alicia. Hi. How are you doing today? I am super excited for this conversation. (laughs) I'm so excited for this conversation too. We were just chatting and you just got verified on Instagram, which is so fun. And I actually found you through Instagram and then I found you through Instagram and then I found your TikTok and I was like, okay, she's hilarious. She's my best friend. That's like how I find all of my friends nowadays, honestly. Right? Yeah. I, if you're not finding your best friends online, like, are you living in the 21st century? And I feel like it's much more acceptable right now too. Like it makes it a little bit less creepy because people really only have the option to meet online right now. Mm. So it's like a little bit more acceptable, you know? Good point. Good point. How did you start out doing um, your videos on TikTok and on Instagram? Honestly, on a whim, I was on TikTok for leisure. I didn't even have an account. I was just like mindlessly scrolling through it. And then there just happened to be a trend, which I knew I knew would gain some traction. And I posted, I posted on it like as my 30, 30 year old self and it blew up. So it just kind of, I went to bed one night and I woke up with 56,000 followers and we were like, okay, I guess, I guess I have a platform now and, and let's see what we can make of it. So it was very sporadic, but also like really intentional as well. Like once it happened, Mm. um, but it was, it was absolutely just for fun when it, when it first originally started and it has grown from there. Mm, very cool. How have you handled the growth? How are you doing like with your mental health, with being online and stuff? How, because I feel like with um, – I've roughly been on Instagram now for like four years doing it intentionally. Like you said, like there's like that part where you're like, I'm doing this for fun and then all of a sudden something happens and you're like, whoa, okay. I have to be like I, – I, I'm going to like focus in on a, on a direction. Like you have to be much more intentional and – Um, you have such like, like there are so many like highs and lows to it. Um, but yeah, how are you doing with it? Um, honestly, the learning curve has been fast and furious. (laughs) I'm grateful for it. I, I like, I am very grateful for the platform, but it has been, I have really latched on to so many other influencers trying to get my feet underneath me to, you know, keep my mental health, to make sure that I'm sending, setting boundaries, to make sure that although I'm being intentional, I'm still, you know, remaining, you know, the authentic, the keeping the authenticity that has, I feel really been the backbone of my platform as well. Um, so I, you know, influencers like you and the birds of papaya and choosing Chelsea have just been super helpful when it comes to that, just like accepting the space and watching, 
watching other influencers with a similar message and, you know, larger platforms set those boundaries, I've really latched on to that. So although it's been a very drastic learning curve, I've also had some pretty incredible people in my corner since it started. So I'm doing well. I'm just taking it day by day right now and just really figuring out how to keep going in the same direction while kind of like adding things in that add value to my platform as well. Mm -hmm. It's such a delicate balance between like, sometimes you just want to go online and you're like, I just want to talk about mashed potatoes or I just want to talk about my period or I just want to talk about like an egg chair like I don't like I just like or my plant like I don't know like I just have like random you just everyone has like random things that they want to talk about but then you have like an audience that's like no I'm here because I want you (laughs) I'm like looking for self-love content I'm looking for body confidence content and you're like right 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 that is what I'm like that's what I'm here for so you have to like go between posting whatever the hell you want and then also Oh yeah, I I there's what value am I giving to people out of this? Yeah, it's it's new because I mean, I always I feel like I've always lived my life this way and that's been part of like our when we chose to step into the platform on TikTok. I say we chose because you know like Scott my husband and I sat down. We were laying in bed actually and I said like is this something we want? Because it's not like you know I wanted to be intentional with it but it's also scary because it's not just me that it impacts <laughs> when I'm you know posting things and he was actually the one who said, you know, like let's keep it th- let's keep it authentic and we've always talked about how proud we are of our relationship and who we are as a couple and you know that was just kind of our goal to keep it you know authentic but with it also comes my personality and things that I'm super passionate about is you know my journey with my body and self-love and it's really allowed me to be able to still be myself because I've based it off being authentic but also still help people in the long run because those are two really important things and then being funny like the humor in it all I feel I feel like most people use humor as a coping mechanism and I always (laughs) I so always have I know that's not always the healthiest but it's one of the things that I've you know lived my entire life doing so when we kind of picked the direction that we were going to go with it humor was always the backbone and I think that sometimes that allows me like you said to just go online and be funny some days because it's it's what people expect of, of me too. So it gives me a little, a lot of directions with consent kind of be a little bit overwhelming some days, but also other days allow me to kind of stay, take a step back and just, you know, be funny or just be a regular human being in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about your relationship with your husband um, how and how you two met, because I know that that's been like a really hot topic of conversation on your platform. Um, so many different, you know, things to discuss, like relationship dynamics, body size within a relationship, gaining weight within a relationship, et cetera. But how did you two meet? We met in high school. So we met in, um, we actually met in grade 10. I was in a math class with one of his best friends and uh, he gave me Scott's email address, and uh, we added each other on MSN. I'm going to age myself there. And Incredible. We Absolutely. Talked, <laughs> we talked on MSN every single day, just about, I mean, kids. We were kids, so just about random things, and we built a, this really solid, incredible friendship. And one random 
day that I was hanging out with his house at his house in grade 11 we kissed and we didn't speak for what felt like two weeks after that because I think we were just both very confused um and then we decided to give it a shot and 14 years later (laughs) here we are here we are. Absolutely. Okay. Also like love those MSN times because I would go on and I would like change my status to something so fucking emo. Like I'd be like black heart hurting today, wilted rose, like emoji, emoji, emoji. And then like sign in and out and in and out and in and out just for like everybody to make sure that they knew what was happening. To be like, Oh, something's wrong with Kenzie. We should all go talk to her. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm not a drama queen at all. MSN, was, at all. MSN was like the best for that. And then like when you got to like that <laughs> cute stage in like a relationship where it would be like, I would be my username and it would be like Alicia Taylor. That's my my actual real last name, Alicia Taylor. And then it would be like Hart Scott McCarvel in the like side <laughs> of it, just like so everybody knew. So anytime you spoke to somebody, it was like Alicia Taylor, Hart Scott McCarvel. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I have I'm so like, many printouts of MSN conversations, like oh. a nice relationship, that it's actually hilarious. It is so funny. And to think back to like think back to the fact that we were 16 and 17 years old and the things that used like we used to think about and say to each other online or like tease each other about is just something so sweet, but also very, very like I don't know. It's funny. It's very funny to look back on it. Oh, it's so fun. And I love that we grew up with the internet in that way because I don't think I really, I like haven't ever said this out loud. So it also like, I could be totally wrong about this, but I just feel like kids right now growing up in the age that they do with all of these like established social media platforms, they're not getting the goodness and the emotionality that we all had with MSN and MySpace. Like they're just, it's different. It's so different now. And I feel Pixo? like with, do you remember with Pixo? It was like the app that no. you could pick. So I had Pixo where you could like edit. It was like where you created your own personal website so I had like pixo slash Alicia Taylor and all my friends could go there and see all of my photos that like I I uploaded and edited and like it just is so different to me because I valued that time I would get home from school and I would sign on to my computer and I was so intentional about who I spoke with in like (sighs) and I think that that is has a big difference like it's a big difference and it was then because you could communicate so efficiently with everybody. You could have group chats. You could, we would be like at a friend's house hanging out and sign into MSN on one of their computers so we could talk to our other three friends that were hanging out in another a completely different, uh, completely different space. So it was like, I, I agree with you. I feel like it's a different type of intimate conversation that just no longer exists. Oh God. So, so, so true. I'd never had Pixo, but I had live journal and I like wrote out my emo heart on that all the time. I thought I was like Edgar Allan Poe at one point. I was like, this is the shit being on here. <laughs> well, Pixo was like that because you could literally edit photos and it would just be like photo of me looking in the distance and just a caption over top of it that was that said 
follow your dreams, you know, just incredible. Of course. Incredible. So good. So good. So the fact that you, um, does, does your husband have his own Instagram account? Like, is he also like a side hustling influencer? <laughs> he does have his own Instagram account, <laughs> but he is not interested in being a side hustling influencer. <laughs> he, he has 20, I, I think 20,000 followers on there, but they're, they're coming wholeheartedly from from my platform to his, but he has absolutely no, he is an extreme introvert, an extreme, mm. extreme introvert. And he wholeheartedly has absolutely no interest in <laughs> being any type of influence when it comes to like social media in general. He doesn't even have TikTok. Mm. It's, it's like, I, I like, so, I think introverted people who like don't want to be influencers are so sacred where I'm just like, oh, you also help ground people who are influencers and who are, who do work in social media. So I think that that's like wonderful, like a good balance for you too. Mm-hmm. What are some questions that you often get or some questions or some comments that you often get when people are watching you and him online? Um, for the positive comments that I get, I get a lot of people saying your relationship brings me hope or, you know, I, I feel like I can, am worthy of somebody that looks like your husband. The negative are more, more dominant when it comes to like our size difference. So very much assuming that I am the breadwinner in the relationship um, and that he's my sugar baby. I get we get that one a lot. Uh, people assuming that he would rather that I was thin. People questioning his loyalty to me. So you know, um, thinking that he's like cheating on me or um, stepping outside of our marriage. Wow. Well, a lot of that. A lot of that stuff. Wow, that's wild. And for people who are listening who for some very odd reason don't follow you yet or and don't know you or your platform that you live in a plus size body and your husband doesn't. Yes. And he's, that's he's drastically the opposite direction. <laughs> he, he <laughs> he's is, quite ripped. Yes, he is he is very physically fit and has loved exercise his entire life. We are polar opposites when it comes to our physical bodies and our relationship with exercise. Right, 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 right. Okay. So now that we can paint that picture, I think some of those comments will make sense in case any listeners didn't know that before. And I just, I can also imagine that it must make you reflect so much on your own relationship when people send, not the negative comments, um, but more, more so like the positive comments, like you know, I've only ever been with um, thinner men before in my life. Like I've always held more weight in relationships. And if people were telling me like, you know, I'm worthy of someone with that body, I would be like, wow, was I not worthy of what should I have not like attempted to be in this relationship? Or like, I, I don't know, like it's just such a normal thing for me to like not really care about that in relationships. Yeah. What do you what do you think and like what do you feel when you get those comments? It's both. That's why I kind of hesitated when I said positive because I understand the I do get why it could be a positive mm. thing for people, but at the same time I'm never doubted by worth when it comes to my husband. Um in terms of our like our relationship, I've doubted my own worth when it comes to myself and my own body, but I've never doubted 
was I worth my husband? I, I, I've never based our relationship on our physical differences or similarities ever. And I think that also comes with the fact that we've been together since we were 16 years old, but I was never, I was never little. Um, and the only time I was little was when I did a bikini competition and, you know, did horrible things to my body to become thin. And even still, when my relationship didn't change with him, any doubt that I had was really kind of rectified in that moment of knowing for sure that my husband did not care what size I was or, you know, how I looked on the outside. But it can create a little bit more self-doubt at the beginning. But I feel like I've been very lucky because gaining the platform I have now at the time that I did, I I also feel like I'm very secure and I'm at a different point in my journey with my body that I don't, I don't second guess myself. Now, if you mm. would have spoken to me four years ago, it would be a different type of conversation with who I am and my body and, and my worth. So I do like the idea that people look at us and might not second guess themselves asking somebody on a date or, you know, putting themselves out there. But I prefer that that decision comes with learning how to love yourself first, rather mm. than seeing my, you know, our physical differences and saying, okay, well, I can do that too. Because I, I don't think that our relationship works because, because I'm plus size and he's physically fit. I think my relationship works because I know my value and my size has never been included in that. Mm, right, right, right. Like the decision is never, well, they're going to love me. So the relationship's going to work because of that. It's like the relationship is going to work because you love your, because, or, or not even talking about like love. Let's just even just say acceptance. Yeah. Um, you never like enter into a relationship because you're like, well, um, I've seen a plus size woman and this super ripped person be in a relationship. Therefore, I'm going to be accepted. So that's why I'm going to enter into a relationship with someone. Yeah. It's like you, it's got to be self-acceptance first, first and foremost, or else it's going to be, you're going to become codependent with someone, 100%. you know, like your validation's always going to come from them. And at that point, it's like, that's not liberation. You're not liberated. You're not free in that relationship. You're completely reliant on everything that they do and say for you to make you feel validated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then that's how I feel, you know, where relationships can, you know, take a turn for the worse. Because when you have that, co that dependence on another human being like that for your self-worth, because you don't necessarily have that acceptance for yourself, then you think that you can't do better than that situation sometimes. So I, I love that I create excitement for people. And I love that when people see us, they might not count themselves out, but I hope that they're learning to accept themselves with my deeper, you know, my deeper, more, you know, potent mm. content. <laughs> so talk to me about um, your own journey with self-validation and whatnot, because this is a huge area that I'm currently working on myself. Like, I feel like you always work on something to then work at a, work on it again later on in life. You know, like you just have periods where of your life where you're like, okay, I'm working on trust. I'm working on validation. I'm working on self-love, whatever the hell it is. And then like, you know, you get kind of like into the groove with it. It's automatic. And then 
four years later, it slips away from your hands and then you have to work on it again. Like it's, it's cyclical like that. But anyways, tell me about your own journey with self-validation. And I'm really curious to, and I, cause I feel like there could be a really interesting conversation or to hear from you what it's like being in a relationship and gaining weight and having a partner that doesn't gain weight. Um, and how that might have, you know, a person feeling a certain way about themselves within the relationship. Yeah. So my, I speak to self-love, so I'll keep it on. And I very much think that my journey thus far has been about self-love. I did sports in high school. I was very physically active. I got to university. I was no longer capable of competitive sport. And I put on weight in university all while still in a relationship with my husband. So I went from, you know, a size six, eight in high school to I put on probably 50 to 60 pounds in university in my first two years in university. So I then was, you know, sitting in a size 22, 20. And then I had to get a relationship with the gym. And I say had to because that's how I felt. I felt Mm -hmm. like I had to lose weight. And that's where my relationship with my husband definitely impacted that, like that him being physically fit and me not being physically fit because I very much felt the eyes of others in that situation when I would show up places or we would be out together. We took our very first vacation to Toronto and we were walking down the street and I am holding this man's hand. Um, and a woman straight up says on her walk by, you could have me. And I, what? Yeah, oh yeah. So we're like, we just keep walking. We're in, this is our first ever vacation together. And I think that that was like the moment that I really felt it because I knew at that point for sure that people were looking at us and devaluing me in our relationship strictly because of my size. Wow. Well, I started exercising and I only started exercising to lose weight. So Mm. for me, a lot of my journey has come with changing my relationship with exercise that's where I think my biggest growth has has happened um because I only knew going to the gym for weight loss and then after that vacation we got back and I started prepping for a bikini competition and I started um some very unhealthy eating habits and some very unhealthy exercise habits and I lost over 90 pounds and I was 127 wow. pounds on you know walking across the stage at 127 pounds and I got off stage now finally feeling equal to my husband and I still didn't like myself and that was a big moment for me because I had always believed that if I got thin the rest would work itself out. That I, if I was small and lived in a smaller body, that people would, you know, respect me and that I would respect myself. And to be very honest, the only thing that changed when I, you know, lost the weight and was living in a smaller body was that people did respect me more. People did look at me differently. People did give me more attention. And I realized quickly that it wasn't the attention I was looking for. And if it took changing my body to get it, 
that wasn't what I was looking for. Like that wasn't who I was because at the end of the day, I can have, you know, 99 people in a room of a hundred people like me, but if I don't like myself, that really does nothing. And that was when I, it really put into perspective to me that I had a lot of inner work that needed to happen before I could, you know, exist in general, let alone in this, let alone in a thin body. And then I, I stopped my prep and I stopped all of the unhealthy habits that I was doing. And I put back on in the span of two years, I put back on every pound that I lost and was left in back in my bigger body. And that was when the work really started to happen with for me and internally, I devoted myself to my job. I didn't spend time with other people. I, I was definitely the most mentally unhealthy that I have ever been. Um, when I put back on the weight, and it didn't have anything to do with the weight. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I was realizing that if getting thin wasn't going to make me happy, then what the hell was? Mm. So it was trying to understand that, and then from there, it has just been a lot of separating exercise from weight loss and a lot of separating my worth from my size. And it's been a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of work. And, and like you said, it's work that happens every single day and will continue to happen for the rest of my life. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, that this is not a, you know, this is not a destination. You don't cross the finish line and now you've you've entered this beautiful world of self-acceptance and self-love. Um, and I always believed that. And then when I crossed what I thought was the finish line, it wasn't there. <laughs> and it didn't, you know, it, it hasn't kept since then. So for me, it's been a lot of internal work. And I've, I truly do feel like I am at a strong, solid space right now in terms of acceptance with my body and my relationship with exercise and my relationship with food that I feel really good, but I'm also very aware that that can change at, at any point. Mm. Thank you so much for describing. I'm really curious to hear about what Scott's thoughts were during this time, you know, having comments like that woman said, that is so egregious and so terrible. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. That's just that's really, that's honestly, that's so painful. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to hear if you had any, you know, internal conversations in your relationship with Scott to be like, okay, there's like a size difference here in our relationship and I'm affected by comments that that woman has made. I'm feeling like I need to be smaller in order to be seen as more acceptable to the outside. Like, uh, anything like that or or any thoughts that you can share from him? He is, um, uh, when I say he is the saint in our relationship, I wholeheartedly mean that. Um, mm. The man has been a blessing in my life. Um, I could get emotional just talking about it. Um, he's never, never been, he's never influenced me one way or another with my body, mm. which has been, so impactful for me and like looking back on my relationship with my body and my relationship with him I was so hard on him like if we want to talk about internal conversations I allowed any type of self there was a period of in my life where I was so caught up in what I thought other people thought and what I thought about myself that I just 
completely placed all of those thoughts on him and I took it out on him and I, you know, I, I allowed it to impact how I trusted him. I allowed it to impact, you know, my conversations with him. I pushed him away when it came to um, being intimate. I, there was, there was a period of time after, after my competition and into my gain of weight where I was like, shit, like I, I, if, if I, if me getting thin can't make me like myself, like, how do you like me? But never once has he ever been, you know, a part of that narrative in my head. It has always been whatever you want, whatever you need. Um, and how can I support it? And when it comes to comments like that, he is probably the, again, calling him a saint, but the, the most naive person also. So he doesn't even think that women outside of me even exist in certain situations. And bless his heart because it is the sweetest thing about him, but he doesn't think that women can be malicious. He doesn't understand that when certain women talk to him that it's disrespectful to me. So like he doesn't even see that because in his mind he would never that would never cross his mind. Like it would never be something for him. So the only conversations that we've ever had is me helping him understand that certain moments are are disrespectful to me. Like that moment being disrespectful for, to me because when that happened, he was like, she's not talking to us. I was like, we're the only ones on the street. She mm-hmm. was speaking to you. Like that, and that comes with his own self-confidence too. Like I, I think he's super humble and doesn't think that people <laughs> think he's attractive sometimes. So I, that's his own, that's his own self-confidence thing. But a lot of the time it's like ha- for me having to like validate when certain situations are disrespectful to me because he just doesn't see them that way or doesn't mm-hmm. think about it that way because he would never, he would never do anything to disrespect me, I guess. So he just assumes the best out of other people. Um, but in terms of our, like, honestly, in terms of our relationship, he's, he's just always been there and has supported anything and everything I've ever chosen to do. But I, I, I always, I shouldn't say always, not now, but I let my insecurity at, for a big part of our relationship, take a toll on him and us because I couldn't figure out why he would love me. Because if I didn't love myself, like, how could he type of thing? So that was where the biggest impact definitely happened on our relationship. Mm, Oh, my God. Thank you so much for sharing. I, like, definitely had a little cry over here. (laughs) I I muted my mic and I had a little cry. Because it is so sensitive when you're in a relationship with someone and they can't hold that space for you when you can't have it for yourself. It's been like the 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 part that I think was so hard for me is that I realized so quickly after like once I started to like who I was and realize my value again, I apo- I had to sit and apologize to him. And I felt like so bad doing it because I was like, you know, I spent a lot of time making you feel bad for just like loving me. You know, I I spent a lot of time telling him that he shouldn't when all he really ever wanted to do was love me. So it was, it was a hard part of our relationship to kind of accept and apologize and 
really grow from it because I I was like you took it was from my end um it was a I shouldn't say I don't want to say abuse but it was definitely like an emotional strain on our relationship that I placed on him when I was feeling so shitty about myself because you know I he would I was like, why don't you want to love me when realistically the last, you know, six times he tried to love me or touch me, I was like, why do you want to do that? And I had pushed him away or had made him feel so invalid for wanting to love me. And that was wholeheartedly because I couldn't love myself. Now I'm in a whole different space. Now I, it is the complete opposite and I'm so grateful for that. But it was a big turning point for me to realize that I, I was, I felt so bad for myself, but I had put him through that too. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just me who was going through that journey with my body and acceptance and loving it. It was, it was him. Like, you know, he was, he was always there. It was never, and never a doubt about it. And I put him through it just as much as I put myself through it. I also can't imagine, and we've never really talked about it, like how he felt about watching me be at those lows and then when he tried to console me or tried to be you know helpful how that felt for him for me to be like no I don't want that so Mm -hmm. I don't want your support or you you know questioning the things that he felt so I'm very grateful that you know he stuck around when I went through that journey too and I think that that's a lot of I think that people forget that sometimes especially with your spouse is that it's easy to view it's so easy to mirror how you feel about yourself onto your partner and not actually ask them how they feel. You know, never mm-hmm. once when I was feeling crappy about myself that I say to him, like, how do you feel about me? Cause I didn't care. Like I just mm-hmm. assumed that if I felt that way, he had to also feel that way. So it's been, yeah, it's, it's been obviously since I get emotional every single time I talk about it, but <laughs> it was, it was a big, it was a big turning point in our relationship yeah. to realize how much I was mirroring how I felt about myself directly onto him without ever actually asking him how he yeah. felt. Yeah. Projection um, is honestly a bitch. It's like, you for it's like you're thrusting a point of view onto someone else without their consent like they're like no I have my own thoughts and feelings about this and you're like no 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 you probably think and feel the exact same way that I do and I'm sure of it and instead of giving them the space to like have their own thoughts and feelings we force ourselves uh, our own thoughts and feelings onto them and it's a, it's a way of us creating safety because if you know that he thinks and feels that the way that you do about yourself, then you know how to navigate that. But actually surrendering to the joy that he feels with you and the love that he feels with you can be so much more scary. It's so much more scary because it's just incredibly vulnerable, you know? Um, so I think that there's like a level of like safety and security with that. And it was only in my last relationship did I ever feel really, really, really liberated with my body. And that was like very helpful to have a partner who like didn't give a shit about my size. He like never once like commented, like I gained so much weight in that relationship. And he never once like, he was not like, oh, hitting the snacks kind of hard, honey. Like not once, not at all. Or like, hey, you haven't gone to the gym in like a hundred years. Like, you know, like he never once said any of those things. And I, I had both, I had the 
both and thoughts. I had thoughts with like, he can't actually find me attractive in this state. And then I had thoughts of being like, well, he does and that's on him. And I'm not just like, not going to think about it kind of thing. And so it was like, I almost also didn't even want to think about him thinking that I was attractive because I didn't necessarily find myself attractive, but through having like a loving partner and through having like a really accepting partner, being able to like, you know, uh, have intimacy in much more vulnerable ways and trust and accept love. Like I think it's the accepting part that is so, so delicate and so sensitive and so vulnerable and so underestimated with how hard it is to accept love and to accept adoration and to accept joy from a partner of them just like being in bliss with you. It's it's really, really, really difficult. Yeah. It's one of it's a hundred percent, like you said, it's that it it is vulnerable because when you don't feel, when you don't feel beautiful or you don't feel sexy in your skin or you don't feel one way, to be faced with somebody who does feel that way, it's overwhelming, because it's not only is it exciting or not only is it a good feeling, it's also a scary feeling because it's I used to think, well, what's wrong with me? If you see this why don't I see it? Like, what is it? And, and then it becomes a blame game only on yourself. And I think that was the hard part for me, because I had worked my way wholeheartedly believing that, you know, I didn't, we both didn't want to be intimate for that period of time that I was struggling, or we both didn't want to get dressed up and go out. We both didn't want to, you know, be seen naked in front of each other. So at that point, it was both of our faults. So it was Mm. so much easier to share that blame. But then when I realized that it literally had nothing to do with him (laughs) and it was just me, it was a big moment to be stuck in and say, you are the problem. You know, you are, you are what's causing this, you know, shock to your relationship. It's not both of you. You don't just share the blame here. This is, you know, this is how you feel and you have to own that. And Mm -hmm. when I finally started to allow him to, you know, be loving and love my body and make me feel good, that helped me. But it is such a scary part to get there. And I will have women and I'm sure you do all the time women will be, you know, will send me a message and I'll be like, well, I don't like to be naked in front of my partner. And I'll always say, I I never liked it either, but my husband always did. So it was never, Mm -hmm. you know, I felt that way, but he never cared. That was never Mm -hmm. an issue for him. But I, because I felt insecure with it, I just assumed he did, you know, he didn't like it. And my favorite thing to tell women to do is to buy, and this has been so impactful for just us and just the way that I feel in my body is to buy lingerie and just be with your partner in it, show it, surprise them with it. If it's not something you normally do, because that feeling, although it is like super scary, is also so incredible because the, you know, the look on Scott's face when I purchased my first lingerie was such a huge moment for both of us because there I was standing in lingerie and there he was seeing me in a completely different light. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, even if I didn't necessarily believe it in that moment, I, you know, I, I was attempting to be sexy and now I own, I don't even know how many pieces 
of lingerie <laughs> and not even just and not even just pieces for him anymore like if it's cute I buy it so I can look at myself in it and it's taken me so long now that it's almost it's almost, I don't know, I have too many pieces now because I'm just overly, I spent so much time never wanting to see myself in it that now I'm just like anything that I can, can buy. I'm like, this is cute. I'm going to, I'm going to put my body in it and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. So mm. I, I think like you said, it's very much like, it's this vulnerable vulnerability of, you know, having somebody love you when you don't feel that mm. same way or you don't, it, because that's, it's scary. It's scary to realize that you, you don't feel that way. Not everybody else, just you. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. There's so much to parse through there. There is this one RuPaul quote, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? And I feel like that quote has been, um, there's like different versions of that quote, like how, and I and I think that it's so interesting because I've have loved myself like for so many years, and I've been with partners who have loved me, and it they were always meaningful relationships, and I always love them even though I didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I think that there are different types of love. You know, the love that you and Scott had fourteen years ago, ten years ago, five years ago is different than the love that you have now. Like it grows and it changes, and so the type of love that I've had with men in my life when I wasn't loving myself is different than the type of love that I've had with men um, when I was loving myself. And so even if you don't love yourself, you can still be in a very, very supportive, loving relationship. You can definitely experience the depths of love. And also just talking about the empowerment of lingerie. I'm reading this like really incredible and a little bit quirky of, oh, well, it's it's like an essay style book. So there's like poems and essays and um, interviews in it. And it's called Pleasure Activism. And I'm like really working on, like sex has always been such an odd topic for me because I've always felt like I'm of this like very um, like sexual being, but then there's been a huge amount of like suppression that I've just like created on myself with it. Like I'm not going to have the type of sex that I'm going to want to have. I'm never going to be able to have sex in the light. I'm never going to be able to have sex with like all my clothes off or my top off. And it's always been like, I've never like ever looked into, um, you know, a class to understand what eroticism is, or I always just like those types of things always felt like icky or weird or too, um, too odd for me. But this, like this whole, like last year, I'm like, no, we're living in a pandemic. There's nothing weird now. Like, like just go for it. So anyways, so, and I promise this is leading somewhere, but I'm reading this book right now and it's called pleasure activism. And it's talking about all of the ways in which we just derive pleasure. Like the basis of the book does, does come back to physical intimacy and being erotic, but it's just talking about pleasure in general. And I just realized like how often during the day, especially within, um, when you're having like a bad body image day, or if, or if people who are listening, who have struggled with an eating disorder, how often we become disembodied like how often you just like stop living in your body and how many times during the day that you can feel a sense of pleasure and a sense of joy. Like, you know, just even like, I love the way that this like couch feels on me, or I love the way that my clothes feel on me, or I love the way that like, um, you know, the sunshine is hitting my face, like just like small 
moments of joy that just like, you know, tickle your sensations and that just make you feel so wonderful. I've avoided those my whole life because I'm just not present in my body. And it's like, wow, no wonder I've had like such an odd relationship with sex. I can rarely just like live in my body. And when you are disconnected from your body because of your weight, it's so easy to not feel sexy, not feel physically attractive, not feel like you can be present during sex because you're so worried about what the other person is thinking or you're so worried about X, Y, or Z or or anything like that. So I think like doing anything, buying lingerie, having like a really romantic night, taking like boudoir shots for yourself, taking like really sexy selfies, whether you send them to yourself or hell, even to friends or a partner, or someone that you're interested with, anything that gets you back into your body that makes you feel excited, I think is just so incredibly important. Agreed. And I just, I love that whole, that whole process of, you know, not being in your body, because like you said, there was definitely times in my life where well, I've only ever been with Scott. So we met in high school. I've only ever had sex with him. I don't know sex with anybody else. Mm-hmm. But the sex that we've had has been different throughout our entire relationship. Like you were talking about love and how love changes, but so does intimacy. Like intimacy is, is very different. And there have definitely been times where we have had sex where I have felt so uncomfortable that like, how could you possibly enjoy it? Like, how could I possibly enjoy it or how could I possibly feel you know connected in that sense because if I you know when you're not in your body you like you said you miss out on those things or you're not you know but being naked for me has been a huge I know my I know my husband would laugh if he heard this but I am naked all of the time Mm -hmm. and like not in this exact moment during this interview just so you know but I am naked all of the time. Like if I get home and I can be naked or as close to naked as possible, I am because that has helped me so much in terms of like seeing my body move, seeing it exist, walking past a mirror, um, seeing how nonchalant my husband can be about me entering the room naked. Like, you know, it's not a surprise, my body, you know? Um, and then moments with lingerie are like the opposite. I didn't, when I did my interview on the birds papaya, Sarah asked me like what type of, like what turns my husband on. And uh, I forget how we even got on that topic, but I was like me wearing clothes, <laughs> like me wearing lingerie mm. because it was, I, I have worked so hard on being comfortable naked that putting on lingerie for me has made me feel sexy because it's like it's it's different um and I know like I'll like walk out into the middle of the kitchen and he'll be like the dining room window's open and I'll be like oh well I guess <laughs> I guess my neighbors have seen me now so it is what it is um but it's definitely like it's wholeheartedly been something that has helped me thoroughly with being naked in the bedroom because what's you know for me him seeing my body in it in intimate like in a non-intimate way and just being casual about it made sex also feel just you know in a sense casual when it came Mm -hmm. to my body it wasn't you know it wasn't this stressful thing it wasn't this so that's something that has worked has wholeheartedly worked for me just being in existing in my naked body for 
you know, making a sandwich, you know, mm. drinking my iced coffee in the morning, like just things like that and not feeling so overly connected to my naked body being sexual has also made me feel more comfortable in it too as well. Cause I, I think that that has a lot to do with it too. Like naked bodies don't have to be a sexual thing. You know, they mm. don't have to have to be, and I think we do attribute a lot of being naked to being sexual and that just adds this like added pressure, but like your bodies can just be like my body can just be naked. It doesn't have to be anything and I can separate the two. So when I'm in the bedroom, I feel like I own my body a lot more because I'm so much more comfortable with it. And like, I, I know he's seen me bend over to pick up the laundry in the middle of the hallway naked. So like, what is the, <laughs> what is the difference between that moment and this one? So I know it sounds funny, but it has definitely been a huge, like impactful change for me to just be in my body and exist instead of, you know, sexually being naked or or you know those types of moments so so that's it's it's definitely something that's worked for me yeah that's such a good point I still have a lot of I still have a lot of issues with that with like for myself um in particular if I'm naked then it is sexual like not so much I mean like I post like very close to naked like photos and videos online of myself but they're nine times out of ten not sexual um But I do find that if I am, I just, I don't have a lot of naked, I've never had like a lot of nakedness in relationships. In fact, like I have always, oh my God, I don't think I've ever said this on, on air before, which is great because listen up everybody, but I, um, like even if I've showered, let's say, and my partner's over, I'm over at their place. I've always like, you know, had some type of like strict rule where it's like, you can't come in. I don't want you to see me. I'm going to go from like the bathroom to the bedroom and like put clothes on, or I'm going to take my clothes and put them on in the, in the bedroom or sorry, in the bathroom. Um, or if I've like slept, you know, like mostly naked during the night, like they have to get up before me or I get up before that. Like, like I always like controlled it, controlled it over and over and over again. So that way they don't see my nakedness because I've always been quite fat phobic with my nakedness. Like, oh my gosh, they're going to see something that they don't like, which is also why I've like mostly ever only ever had sex with like the lights off with, you know, like an exception um, in my last relationship. But there's like this sense of um, like my self-esteem can plummet. Like that's the area where I'm very, very, very vulnerable in. So it's a wonderful area for me to work on as well. Um, one, not sexualizing nudity, like just like first and foremost and like normalizing it. And two, even if nudity is sexual to myself or to my partner, being okay with it and like being much more open. It's definitely, whew, Alicia, let me tell you, (laughs) definitely got all the vulnerable tingles going on in my body. Well, it is very much like a, I like I say when I I when I say I turn on the sexual sexuality for my body, I do, and I think that that has been an impactful thing for me, being able to kind of flip that flip that switch and have that difference between my body and my you know acceptance of my body and just being mm. comfortable in it, because it's more for me, it's more intentional, um, and it's this added you know confidence and. But it has very much come from drinking my iced coffee in the morning and being naked, getting home from work and being, you know, doing 
answering emails. Oh gosh. Now everybody's going to have a picture of me answering emails. But just <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Naked, just laying, I sleep naked. Like I just, just there's, being naked and being okay with being naked and existing has had that huge, a huge difference for me when it comes to like being sexual in my body. And the, like, I remember, I remember only having, I'm like, my husband has been with me for 14 years. Like he knows my body. He, so, but I remember turning off the lights when we had sex, you know, I remember mm. we, I remember those like moments for me and just when that changed had a lot to do with like that neutrality, I guess, around my body, like it it not being sexual and it not Mm. being, you know, something that I had like made it out to be. And now we, we, oh, oh, the light is, you know, not the main light because I feel like then it's like weird because it's like super bright, (laughs) but like we we always Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's something sexy about just like one light on or like a casual like dip, but um, it's not like it for me. It's not like in an insecurity thing for me. My mm. insecurity in sex comes from like t- trying different positions or like doing that whole that whole part of um, sex for me used to be and still kind of is a little stressful, like trying new positions and stuff and being like, am I going to be able to do this in a fat body? Like, am mm. I going to be able to get myself into that position? Is it going to work for us? And just not having the stress mm. out of that. So that's where a lot of my anxiety around stress comes from right now in terms of my body. I've accepted it. And then now I'm like, okay, let's try this. And then being okay with like the disappointment of that not mm. working is is new to me. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking a men. Uh, because in my last relationship, I had went from a fairly straight size body to definitely being plus size. And the positions that I had always been able to do, I was like, this is not, this is either not happening or it's not happening in the same way. And it like, definitely made me more insecure about that. Like, oh my God, is he enjoying sex? If we're like constantly trying to like figure this out or if we're like switch or if we can't do this anymore or if we, or if this like, like those are so stressful. I don't, I haven't heard those conversations come out. I I bought a book. I bought a book called Curvy Girl Sex. And it was the first time that I like took ownership over my body being plus size and having sex. Like it was like, okay, let's acknowledge the fact that I am a plus size woman having sex. And I've, I've owned that for almost everything else in my life, like the clothing I purchase and, you know, the brands I support and those types of things. But I had never actually like looked at myself and say, okay, like things are going to be different for you because you are plus size. So I never owned it. So I bought the curvy girl sex book and I read through it every single page, top to bottom. Like I've probably done it twice. And Scott Mm. and I actually, God, um, Scott and I actually have what, I like to deem um, stress-free sex. So mm-hmm. like we'll, I, it, it'll just be intentional and it'll literally be like, okay, let's have sex, but let's try new things. And it's not mm-hmm. a big deal if it can't happen, but it's very intentional. So it's it'll be like, okay, let's have stress-free sex and we'll pick positions or we'll like just, you know, try different things during sex 
and but not be stressed out about it because there's no pressure because we've kind of said that before it began and that has been um really great for us and that you know it has changed that oh like owning the fact that I am in a like some things just aren't going to work for me and that's okay but being able to have those you know intentional stress free sex you know uh, mm. I don't know what do you call it sex I don't know just having <laughs> intentional stress-free sex every once in a while has really like opened up to like what things I can do or how we do work mm. in certain positions or how we don't work so like we don't stress out over it um and that's something that we just recently decided and started doing probably only like I'd say like four or five months ago so that it's like new to us, but it, it's just, we'll just be in the mood and I'll be like, okay, do you want to have stress-free sex? And he'll be like, yep. And we'll just, we'll just do our thing and try new things while we're in there. And then, then it's like, okay, afterwards, it's like very much like a business meeting where we're like, okay, what worked? Like, what did you like? Did this feel good? And like, it's more a ca- casual, but it has been so helpful for, for us again, just having that intention behind it. Mm, the pre and post-sex communication is freaking the best. It's so important. Oh my God, it's so important. And I look back on relationships and I'm sure that you can look back on different months or years with Scott when you didn't have that. And you're like, how the hell were we having sex when we weren't talking about it? Like before and afterwards, like I just like look back on my old relationships and I'm like, wow, there is so many things to unpack there. And like, there were so many good things that you wanted to happen more that you didn't speak up about. And so many bad things that you, that you, you couldn't feel like you could bring up to your partner, that it would be like too awkward or they were going to be embarrassed or they were going to feel a way about it, you know? Um, and so I just like, God, the communication part is like 20 to 30% of sex for me. Like, honestly, like I would even push it even more than that. I was talking with Sylvie Kukasian, who is this incredible um, relationship therapist uh, or relationship coach, I think, um, online. And she talks, she specializes in attachment theory. And she was talking about how for people who have anxiety about stuff, clarification is like godsend. Like clarifying things is so important and so incredible. And I was telling her, I was like, yeah, like I thrive on clarity. Like I thrive on like rock hard honesty. Like tell me, give it to me straight kind of thing. Well, that all sounds really sexual, but like give it, like I'm like, just, just tell me, just be honest and like help clarify certain things for me. And so I think that the communication part helps with clarity and it's like communication is only as uncomfortable as like people really make it out to be, you know, it's like you like lower the tension in your shoulders, lower the tension in your jaw and just tell people and talk to, to the people that you're having sex with about like what's going on in your body. How do things feel? Is this okay? Do you like this? Do I like this? Like that stuff just like makes sex so much better. And like knowing what feels good too, like I, I, I feel like I've always been a sexual person, but like actual self-pleasure for me has always been a part of it, but I never like, 
I've never talked or I have never talked to Scott about it. Like certain toys and like just those types of things. And self-love was a huge part of my love, like my, my journey with loving myself and my body too. Like realizing that like I have power over that and I can be, you know, the person that, that determines that. But I feel like a lot of women don't necessarily know what feels good for them. And then when I was feeling insecure, I shouldn't say insecure, when I was not feeling one with my body and I was not, I did not have the type of love that I have for myself now, I didn't necessarily feel like I was worthy of the conversations of what I deserved during sex. And that count that has come with a lot of confidence to be like, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> and like, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't good for me. Like I felt like that was all about you. Um, and that communication is actually, have you seen friends with benefits? Have you seen that? With no. Justin, Justin yeah. Timberlake and me. Well, there, it is very much a friends with benefits type of relationship, but they always commute like during the movie, they communicate in such a comedic way during sex. Like, no to the left a little bit up like it's very funny how they communicate but they have good like in the movie they have good what a funny reference but in the movie they have good sex <laughs> essentially and mm. I always joked about that because I feel like a lot of people don't do that because they feel like they're going to hurt their partner's feelings but like you're missing out on so I feel like a lot of people are missing out on so many good things that if you just open your mouth to just have that conversation, that it could be much better for both, both of you in the long run. But like mm. you said, just like decrease that pressure and just like say, and it's easy for me to say because we've been together for so long that I can pretty much tell him anything. And I know that he's not going to get offended, but it was less about me knowing that I couldn't tell him everything. And then me realizing that I was worth communicating that stuff for, like I was, it's, worth my pleasure to communicate that you know mm. I deserve it or this doesn't feel good or can we try this so it's similar but but also like very different because you can be extremely stable in a relationship and know you're not going to offend your partner but still not feel like you're deserving of the pleasure when it comes to sex Mm, yeah, absolutely. There are so many aspects to this and we've unfortunately run out of time, but because, and I hate when this happens because I do feel like we just started scratching the surface on this because like, there are so many aspects of like, you know, I don't feel like I'm deserving of the pleasure. And there's also the aspects of like, a lot of us perform during sex because we oftentimes make sex about the other person. Like we yep. always just want, if they get off, if they're enjoying themselves, then great. Then we feel accomplished. We feel good. Our pleasure doesn't matter. Especially, I would say like, especially in heteronormative relationships, um, queer people. And from the conversations that I've had with my queer friends, they've had to talk about bodies and they've had to talk about sex with their partners because they're having queer sex. Whereas mm -hmm. in heteronormative relationships, oftentimes things just happen quite automatically. So there is yep. less of this like sexual knowledge or the sexual education. And so I think that oftentimes in heteronormative relationships, women really tend to focus on men's pleasure and we become performers. And it's a, it's also like comes back to the part of us being disembodied. Like yeah. we're not living really fully in our bodies. We're like living to like act out something for this dude. And 
we'll have to have you back on to like discuss more of that because we yeah, are out of time. It is. But, it's, I honestly, I haven't really spoken this openly about this stuff with anybody else. So like, I just love, I think that sex is so important for so many things and not even mm-hmm. the actual act of sex, but just feeling sexy in your body and pleasure. I just, it has been such a huge thing for me in terms of my journey of, of, of loving my body and loving myself and you know accepting it that it it has definitely changed over the years in terms of that you know what I expect from Scott and myself and it's been a a learning curve but it's been it's been worth it those those stress-free sex sessions are (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that Alicia thank you so much for coming on today and talking about this we really appreciate it where can everybody find you online if they want to talk about it further again assuming that people aren't already following you online yeah um you can find me on instagram uh, and TikTok at Alicia McCarville. And we are relaunching our YouTube at the end of this month. So it that's more like mine and Scott's relationship, but that's at the McCarvels on YouTube. Brilliant. Thank you again. Really, really, really appreciate it. And I really look forward to having you back on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, friends, you made it to the end of the episode. You know what to do now. Head over to our Instagram account, Conversations with Kenzie, and let us know what you loved about the episode. Or let us know what you didn't love. What questions did we miss? What questions could we have asked differently? Let us know there. As always, stay curious, keep asking questions, and keep making conversations in your everyday life. Until next time.